Praise the Lord, everyone. Before we start, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to preach your word. Bless those who are listening. Bless every audience member. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that whatever they're feeling, whatever they're experiencing, if it's sickness or any other problem, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you heal them, Lord, and that you deliver them and that they will be able to listen and be attentive to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So before we start, Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so today we're going to study what the... What the word of God is. How is it that we know that this is the word of God? And so this lesson. Here I've titled the word of God. And we're going to talk about the absolute authority. That um, God has placed in his word. We're living in an era In an age of uncertainty and confusion. But it's it's comforting to know that our confidence rests upon God. Upon our Lord Jesus Christ. He has not left us without proofs of the credibility of his word. We can speak with authority about him. About what he has said. We can trust in What he has left for us. Without a solid scriptural foundation. We could not intelligently or convincingly present the good news. So we want to. So I want to begin this uh, series of lessons. By clarifying that our faith rests upon God. And what he has left for us. So that we could understand that is his word. So we must be aware of the following things. There is complete harmony and agreement among Old Testament books and the scriptures have been proven to be authentic and accurate in these fields of learning. Science, medicine, history, archaeology, and many other things. The greatest proof that the Bible is the word of God, that God inspired it and that it has no errors, is the fulfillment of prophecy, both in Bible times and in our present times. We can place full confidence In the Lord that he has provided for us his word, the Bible. We can be sure that the Bible is true. And so we're going to continue studying here. And the first thing that I would like to to draw um, to, to, to draw your attention to is this. There are many people. Who think that their their books, 
Their literature is true. But here we have proof that the word of God, the Bible, is the only true source where we can find what, the, what, what, what God has left for us. The Bible says, search the scriptures in John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, for they are the one that gives testimony of me. We are living in the most crucial area of, man, era of man's existence. It is a time of rapid change. Human thought and progress, which for centuries advanced slowly, have thawed into torrents of intense activity, plunging toward a frightening tomorrow. Darkness seems to engulf our world. This generation is acclaimed to be the most enlightened ever. Yet world leaders are plagued with thoughts of universal destruction. This menace threatens our lives, civilization, and world. Little hope is offered for the future. And so many people are trying to look for answers in different, in different ways. But there is only one way. And the Bible says in John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. See, this world is faced with insurmountable problems, fears, and loneliness. And this world is trying to find answers to modern problems. All mankind needs help from God to provide peace of mind, courage, hope, and guidance. But where is it that you can find such help? Can you find help in a newspaper article? Can you find help on the TV? Can you find help in a seminar? Can you find help on the internet? There is a better place. We must look in the Bible. The world has put in um, the, 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 the world is trying to get people to Focus their attention, their, their attention on worldly ways to fix their situation. But the Lord has placed in the Bible what is happening now. He has anticipated through prophecy the present world situation. It seems to have been written. The Bible seems to have been written especially for our generation. Although centuries old, the Bible is amazingly current. It deals with matters of universal interest. It offers hope and solutions for current problems. The Bible also describes a lifestyle totally opposite from the gloomy despair surrounding us. It talks about life versus light. It shows us abundant life through Jesus Christ. A superior kind of life flowing from Jesus. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly in John 10, 10. By obeying the principles and concepts taught in this wonderful book, we can experience the exhilarating, abundant life God intended. You see, you cannot find... The truth is not found in many religions. There are many religions, but there is only one true way. And that is Jesus. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot find the way, the truth, and the life in different religions. There is only one way. There is only one way that you can be saved, not many. Many people seem to believe, oh, 
well, I believe in this and this. And it doesn't matter what I believe. It's all going to lead to one end. It's all going to lead to one thing. That's not true. That's what the world is, is, is telling you. That is what the world is, 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 um, is, trying to, is trying to tell you. Oh, if you follow this other religion and if you follow this other religion, it's going to lead you to the way. It's going to lead you to heaven. It's going to lead you to, uh, to, to, to a happy life. No, it's not. The only way we can be saved is found in Jesus Christ. So the Bible offers, offers words of comfort, hope, challenge, and direction. It is the book for us. And so now we're going to explore what the Old Testament is. We're going to see what it is. So when you're looking at the Bible and you thumb through all the pages, you may wonder what distinguishes it from other books. Yes, it's different. At first glance, the storyline appears to be incomplete. Its many short chapters and numbered verses lend themselves to rigid reading. Its language, although a literary masterpiece, is not easy to understand at first. But let's look closer. This is not a single book, but instead it's a collection of books and letters, more like a library. Some messages are so brief, they can be copied on a single page of paper, while others are so expansive that they require volumes of commentary. So there are two divisions in the Bible. One is the Old Testament and the other is the New Testament. Why are they Old and New Testament when all of it is very old? The word testament refers to a document that, uh, that discloses the will of a departed person. You see, it's what God wants us to do. When somebody lives, leaves a will for us, it's, uh, it, it's a document containing instructions for what, uh, about the things that we have to do. So God left us his word. It's not that God left and he left us this document. No, he's here with us, helping us so that we can live according to what he has planned for us. Living according to his will. The Bible is, is, is it's a testament. So that's why the, the Old Testament is the covenant or agreement God made with man about salvation before Jesus Christ came. The New Testament is God's covenant with man about salvation after Jesus Christ came. So the entire Bible is composed of two major covenants between God and man. Our responsibility is to explore their wonderful terms and provisions. There is very fascinating information about these agreements. We have to study all that the Bible has to say. All that God has left for us to, uh, to understand. Each testament is divided into five sections. The Old Testament begins with the law. This includes the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. These books contain the story of creation, the flood, and the origin of the Jewish people. Also included are a detailed list of God's laws and the Ten Commandments to govern his people. 
Next come the 12 books of history of the Jewish people. Their trials, division, captivity, and finally, restoration to their home in the promised land. These books cover 800 years from the 13th to the 5th century BC. And so we're going to study right now more about these. So positioned near the heart of the Old Testament are five poetry books. These are not short, short rhymed verses, but they're written in free verse. Among these are the Psalms. And also the Proverbs. And also Song of Solomon. And Ecclesiastes. These five are volumes of praises, promises, prophecies, and prayers. Next are the major prophets. Five books are written about events in Israel, both present and future, such as the coming Messiah, the church age, the end of time, and kingdom age. Last are the writings of the 12 minor prophets. They're not minor because their work is any less important, but because they are short. Some are less than one full page. The minor prophets declared God's message of warning and instruction. Briefly, that is a synopsis of 39 Old Testament books. Remember the total number in this way. The word old contains three letters. The word testament has nine letters. Place the two digits together and you have 39, the number of Old Testament books. The Old Testament was written over a period of 1,400 years by 32 writers and covers approximately 3,600 years. Although the writers came from all backgrounds, each perfectly harmonizes with the others. Amos was a country preacher. Isaiah was a court preacher. Moses was, an, was, was, uh, was heir to the Egyptian throne. David was a king and composer. Solomon was the wisest man uh, who lived. Still, there are no contradictions in the writings because there was really just one author of all 39 books, the Holy Spirit. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Words were penned in different ages, different countries, and by different men. Some who never saw each other or knew that others had written on the same subjects. Yet when their writings became one book, not one contradiction or error exists. What do you suppose might happen if different scientists from different uh, uh, areas of, of the world or different time periods would write a book on a certain area of science? How much unity would be, would exist in their writings? Not much. Each would be asserting the other's wrong and why his own theory is right. Generally, there's little unity of thought between the books of men on any subject. Yet there is perfect unity among the books of the Bible because this proves that there are, though there are almost thirty-two hundred writers, there is but one divine author. For all 62 books. Who but God could produce such a work?
most of the Bible was written under difficult conditions. It was produced in pastures, prisons, or other unlikely writing situations. The writers had no typewriters, pens, or smooth white paper with quill or bone pens on parchment or skins, often with only a primitive oil lamp. They penned God's message to the human race. So, we, to prove how the Bible came, we have to prove now how the Bible came directly from us, passing through many hands. So this collected group of writings is recognized today as the Old Testament. When uh, the scribes were copying and preserving scripture, they took great meticulous care in doing so. So because of their methods, we can be certain that it is completely accurate and authentic. And so... How did we get this book? How did a collection of 66 short books emerge as one complete work? It's not a recent development. It was born long before the invention of the printing press. The story of its origin and preservation is indeed fascinating. To imagine a world without a Bible seems quite incredible. But for the first 2,500 years of man's history, the written word did not exist. During this time, there were no inspired writings. Just how did man function without a Bible, without the word of God? How can man know God's will? God spoke orally with a few selected men. Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Since these men lived before scripture was written, they received verbal information concerning God's will. However, God manifested himself to man in other ways. The heavens declare the glory of God, says the 19th Psalm. The handiwork of God's creation in the universe illustrates God's existence and his love for mankind. Another way of revealing his will was to place within man a conscience. We have that ability within our minds that God gave us to detect right from wrong. Although 2,500 years was a long time without the writing of the word of God. God planned adequate provisions through oral communication. The revelation of, of his creation and an inner voice of human conscience. Moses was the first person to view the written covenant of God. On Mount Sinai, God talked with Moses and, and with his finger inscribed the law on tablets of stone. Then God revealed the plan through which he would preserve his written word for all generations. The nation of Israel was chosen to preserve God's written and spoken word. Moses was instructed to place the tablets of stone in the most holy and sacred place, the Ark of the Covenant. This was the safest place to protect God's written covenant with Israel. Moses was also commanded to have the Levites and scribes make a copy of the law 
for their king when Israel would desire to have a ruler like other nations. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 19. So the, people, so the people of Israel would put a copy of the law before their king so that he would read the word of the Lord, the, the, the law of the Lord every day so that he could abide by the law of the Lord. With extreme care, the scribes had to ensure the king's copy to be precisely like the original. Through the following ages, copies and manuscripts were written on clay tablets Wood, leather, animal skins, parchment, and sheets of papyrus. Finally, paper was invented for biblical meaning, for meaning scripts. While the ancient Chinese made paper, the knowledge was not widespread until about the 8th century AD. By the 13th century, paper making was common in Europe and became readily accessible with, for, for the scribes' use in copying the Bible. Certain ordinances also assisted in preserving God's word. One commandment required that every Israelite adult and child hear all the reading of God's written laws every seven years. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, and Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Deuteronomy 31, 9-11 From childhood to a lifetime, a Jew would have heard the word read perhaps ten or twelve times. If any error was made between readings, someone would have told the priest. Throughout Israel's history, the nation often strayed from the teaching of the law. When the citizens of Jerusalem were led captive to Babylon, Daniel and Ezekiel carried with them precious copies of God's word for preservation. Returning 70 years later, God's word was at last carefully reverenced and obeyed. Ezra, a scribe in Israel, read and emphasized the word of God by reading to his people from the books of law, history, and the prophets. Through Ezra's efforts, Old Testament books were restored to full prominence. Actually, more Old Testament books were yet to come. The prophetic works of Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi. From Ezra's time forward, all the Old Testament writings were gathered into one collection. These error-free texts were preserved until the time of Christ. By then, God's word was so firmly established, not even the Jews' rejection of, of Jesus could disturb it. Jewish scribes transmitted the traditional Hebrew Old Testament text blindly but faithfully until the dawn of the Protestant Reformation hundreds of years later. God had planned that the Hebrew scriptures be carefully preserved until the time we would use them. Christ also put his divine approval on all the Old Testament while teaching his new gospel. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Luke twenty four forty four. Notice that Jesus specifically mentioned the three major sections of Old Testament scripture. 
the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. The law includes the first five books of scripture. The prophets include major and minor prophets, as well as Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and the Kings. The Psalms were also general division, including Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Song of Solomon, Ruth, uh, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, and the Chronicles. This type of division was used long before the time of Jesus and was firmly established when he, uh, Jesus made this reference. The scribes copy the law from, from, from Christ's remarks concerning the law. We, we know that they have, been, they have been copying the law from that time. And also, we know that the common text of that day was identical to the Old Testament of today. Why is this true? The Jewish scribes fulfilling their God-given mandate to preserve the scriptures had developed a detailed plan to ensure the accuracy of each copy. Meticulous detail was given to copying each letter. In AD 700, a group of Jewish scholars called uh, Masoretes developed a system with, for the accurate transmission of the Old Testament to future generations. Strict rules were established for all copyists. No word or letter could be written from memory. The scribe must look attentively at each word, then pronounce it before writing it. The words and letters were, of, of each section were counted. If the total figure did not balance with the original, the manuscript was discarded. This careful process continued until the invention of the printing press about the middle of the 15th century in Germany. John Gutenberg devised the method of, of arranging alphabet letters onto a plate to create a stamped impression on paper. For years he worked perfect, perfecting his methods. With his new invention, labor and costs in book printing were greatly reduced. So books can now be printed in volume and made available to the general public. Gutenberg's first book to be printed was the Bible. God's word was on its way into our hands. Because of their precise attention to detail and accuracy, modern scholars have proven that today's Old Testament is exactly the same as in ancient biblical times. Nothing has changed. It's accurate. It's authentic. It's, it's pure. The original Hebrew scriptures were copied and translated for generations. In Alexandria, Egypt, during the 2nd and 3rd centuries BC, one of the earliest and most important translations into the Greek language was called the Septuagint, meaning 70 because of the 70 Jewish scholars who prepared it. Since that time, the Bible has been translated and paraphrased into more languages than any other book in existence. Some of the earliest translations were into uh, Syriac, then Latin. Armenian, and Gothic. The first complete English translation was made in 1382 by John Wycliffe. His work was soon followed by other English translators, producing the Bible. And so on from there, many other Bibles were produced until we got to 1611. And that is when the King James Version was produced. And so that's the first part here of our lesson. And we'll continue another time. But to, be, to finish off, let's pray. 
Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, and I thank you that you have given me the opportunity to preach your word and to expand on how your word got into our hands, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now I ask that you bless every audience member, God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that they have been listening, that you bless them, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch them, God. Oh, Lord, put your hand upon them, Lord, that they may be um, that they may be completely healed. If they have any sicknesses, that they may be completely, Lord, uh, um, that they may be blessed, Lord, by your By your power, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you all.